CM Punk confirmed for AEW Collision on June 17th. It's the news we've been waiting for. We've now got it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Double or Nothing. We're going to talk about the excellent episode of Dynamite. We got post Double or Nothing. It's your boy Mex the WrestleManiac reporting for Revolution Radio Duty. Who else do we have today? Yo, people, it's your boy NK, aka the man that hour too sweet to be sour. We are here at Revolution Radio, but we're not alone. We are joined by someone, you know. Introduce yourself, bro. Yes, Atlas. Happy to be back, man. Revolution Radio. Let's go. Big up Atlas coming through. Bro, we got the news um, out of this episode. We had another one of these Tony Khan segments. Um, giving his his thoughts on um, you know everything collision and kind of selling us on collision and it has more news. The news I guess we've been waiting for is now confirmed that CM Punk is um, returning to the company. He's returning to Collision. Obviously, myself, NK, whether it's here on this show or any other show across rest things, we've we've almost talked this to death about our thoughts of CM Punk coming in and all of that. But Atlas, let's hear from yourself. What's what's your thoughts on CM Punk returning, almost headlining this this show? Um, you looking forward to it? You're not looking forward to it? Because in the stadium, in the arena last night, there was a bit of a, a mixed reaction, which I was surprised um, somewhat, but I understand. But yeah, what's your thoughts on it? Um, do you know what? Yeah, there's some things about CM Punk that's kind of undeniable, and it can't deny that he's a legend. Can't deny that he's a draw. But by that same token, I don't give a fucking monkeys. Like, I don't, like, for me, I ha- I don't see a lot of people, people value different things when it comes to pro wrestling, innit? People talk about draws, they talk about money, and I hear that. But at the end of the day, like, I want to see good wrestling. I want to see good storylines. And if I look at, like, AEW since he's been gone, I don't think, there was, there's been a few times where, like, the, the storylines have kind of been a bit jinky, where it's been a bit like, uh, not great. But for the most part, I feel like AEW's been thriving. And with Punk coming back, if the reports are true, with Collision, we're talking about damn near splitting the roster in half just to accommodate for one guy. Do you know what I mean? And I'm just thinking about like the ramifications that come with splitting the roster and having a bunch of guys who are going to work Saturdays and a bunch of guys who are going to work Wednesdays. Like, is there going to be certain matches we're going to we're, we're going to miss out on now? Is there going to be certain storylines we're not going to we're going to not get to see fleshed out now because of this guy coming back? For me, I just don't know if Punk. This stage in his career, obviously, he's still a draw. But aside from the drawing power, is everything else that comes with Punk worth it? Do you know what I mean? That's 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 the main thing I'm thinking is is it worth it? Because they NK. still have to see each other at PPVs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. NK, so, do you think so. it's worth it? No, not short term. Yes, long term. No. I feel like short term, you're going to get the ratings, you're going to get the pops, you're going to get like the first couple months of collision, he's going to be in entertaining feuds, but the underlying issues haven't been addressed. This isn't the situation where it's like, okay, all parties involved have done like almost a peace treaty and kumbaya and be like, we're friends again. It's more so a thing of like, okay, the business, that Tony Khan's made a business move in it, where it's like, okay. This guy is a valuable asset to the company business-wise. You know, I'm going to see what I can do in terms of keeping him around. But I feel like long-term, this is this doesn't look good. Obviously, in the best interest of AEW, I would love for all of this to work out and me to be proven wrong. But just the way things ended and the way like things haven't been addressed, it's almost been like, okay, we're going to move Punk on this side 
and then we're going to put the elite and other guys on this side and we just hope that they don't um, interact with each other, which isn't a long-term solution. It just seems like a, a stopgap that's going to blow up in people's faces. So, obviously, like, for me, I've, like, said my piece when it comes to CM Punk. Um, I still think he's a legend. Like, he's contributed so much to wrestling, but at the same time, it's like the return on investment with Punk today, I don't think it's worth all the hassle. And and for me, I think it's it's one of them ones where, like you were saying, the investment's already been made. You've already mm. paid my man. You've already, you know, brought him in for X amount of years. His contract is already in place. Um, so it's like we've got this guy on our books, our top earner on our books. And although, yeah, he's beefing everyone, we're not really going to get him out of this contract because that will owe him a load of money anyway. So how do we make the best of a, of a bad situation? And... Um, collision or avoiding the issue like you said putting a plaster over the, the big the big old gash on your arm is, is almost what they're doing here in it like and just hoping yeah it'll go away sort of thing. we'll see atlas what, what did you make of the crowd's reaction because i know for, for facts if this was wwe they would have piped in chairs or anything and AEW were, were good for letting you know the organic reaction be seen although the camera tried to play tricks and only tried to pick out CM Punk t-shirts and pick out people cheering we could hear that it wasn't all people cheering and people were booing um, you think that's a justified reaction? You you happy the kind of truth showed itself? Listen, there's always going to be two sides, there's always going to be it's part, listen, he's easy, what's the, what's the word man? Um, what's the word? Polarising, he's a polarising mm-hmm. figure right? You're always going to have your people who defend Punk, you're going to have your people who oppose to Punk. I'm necessarily opposed to Punk but the, the, I think the mixed reaction was kind of what I would expect. I didn't know Tony was going to make that announcement. If someone had told me before the show, Tony Khan's going to come out and say, yo, CM Punk's going to be at Collision, would you think the crowd's going to respond like? I probably would have said to you, it's going to be 50-50, especially because of they weren't in Chicago. Now, if they were in Chicago, yeah. and it was like, yeah, in three weeks' time, we're coming back here, and I'm get me, I'm coming with the man them, you get me? That's when people would have been like, oh, yeah, they would have gone crazy for CM Punk. Um I just think the mixed reaction is kind of just reflective of how we are as wrestling fans, the wrestling fans in general. Like, even in our Discord, there was a misreaction. On the timeline on Twitter, there was a misreaction. So I just feel like that kind of represents the wrestling fan base. People are kind of mixed on it. Um, we have to just see, we have to just see, like, I'm I'm kind of, I'm down on it. If, if I haven't made it clear already, I'm, I'm down on it. I'm not really open to the idea of seeing Punk coming back. I feel like, I'm not saying he should have been sacked. I'm not going to go with Karen and say he should have been sacked, but I just feel like he's been out. But was he suspended or was he recovering from injury? Was it both? I don't know. Like, it feels like the guy who instigated all of this isn't even really having to deal with the consequences of his actions. He's getting his own show. He's getting his own grand opening. Do you know what I mean? And, but how do you, how do you do that and get rewarded with your own show? Like, how do you, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Is yeah, it just me? Fun. It's mad, right. it's yeah. mad, it's very mad. But I mean, you know, they right. they were all suspended. They lost their titles, didn't they? Everyone that was involved in in the altercation. So, uh, uh, yeah, he served his alongside an injury, which I guess is somewhat convenient. But um, they were all suspended. That's what it was. And we we you know we're saying this, and I was very vocal saying this until someone reminded me. Well, you got to remember that the elite came back and just won back their trios titles effectively, really. Yeah, they went through seven yeah. matches or whatever, but they were basically rewarded same way. So, you know, 
these are the top guys. We're talking about yeah. top guys. I'm not talking about little mid card fodder yeah. that you would expect to be proper reprimanded and pushed yeah. out the company if it was really bad in it. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, NK, just give a thought to. I thought that they wouldn't announce this until just like night night of he turns up in it. Mm. Um, I thought they would only announce this if maybe ticket sales for this particular show aren't doing well or anything like that. I don't know if there's been any news on what ticket sales were looking like, and that's why they've yes. chosen to kind of randomly announce it. Was it was the ticket sales not good or what? Yeah, they, they, it wasn't looking good, bruv. The ticket oh, sales okay. um weren't great. Um, and I thought that that's exactly why I feel like they were going to do the whole, you know, oh my god, CM Punk's coming. But I feel like I don't know if it's, it's if it's a sense of like. Um, we've explored the Chicago market too often, and mm. unless like there's a massive hook, like CM Punk coming, people will be like, you know what, I can miss out on this AEW show. Or it's a thing of like maybe the product isn't as hot as it was when they first did the first dance. It's a combination of things, but I feel like announcing it, in my opinion, is the best thing because I don't want them to rehash what they did last time. I feel like capturing the magic of CM Punk debuting after seven years. Like as much as it is CM Punk debuting again, he's been here before. So it's like I feel like they should go in a completely different direction. I personally think they should turn him heel, in my opinion. Maybe like if it's yeah. Chicago who get cheered, that's fine. But going forward, he should be a heel. And not just because of like his activities or whatever. I just feel like it just makes for a more interesting dynamic. And even if we go in storyline with CM Punk, like Eddie Kingston was calling him out. MJF was calling him out. Obviously, the Hangman stuff was based on real life, but if you look at it kayfabe-wise, everyone was calling him out for like having a fake persona as this like um, grateful wrestler. Um, and then you add that to, you know, obviously the shenanigans that happened at, at Brawl Out, it's like, you know, a heel persona makes sense. But in regards to like um, United Center, yeah, I feel like tickets were um, doing what they were supposed to do. So I feel like they just announced CM Punk to really just, you know, um, hammer home that, you know, CM Punk's coming back and they sell some tickets. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought as much because even still with these Tony Khan announcements, they tend to let us know ahead of schedule that he's he's even going to be on the show and have an announcement. And we didn't really get that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we leave it there. We don't really have much more information in terms of CM Punk and what he's going to do once he comes back, whatever the case is. But, you know, like I say, this is the news we were waiting for and waiting to hear. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to talk double or nothing. Big up everyone that's watching us live right now. Make sure you hit the like button. Subscribe if you're new here at Rest Things. Um, we do Revolution Radio every Thursday, so you can always tune in for your, your AEW fix. Um, double or nothing. So we've done like a more of a full double or nothing review um, that's going to be on the podcast coming out tomorrow. Um, but we're going to touch on some of the main things, um, starting with the most sanctioned, unsanctioned match I've seen in a long time. Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho. There was nothing really unsanitary about this. Um, it let us down. For, for what I would say was a pretty good story going into it, I was, I was relatively, you know, invested. Um, the match itself let us down. And I, I've even went out today and I've said the mixed tag match they gave us dynamite on the main event way better than the unsanctioned match like and they probably could have done that at the pay-per-view because all these people were moving parts and involved in the sport um atlas what did you think about that unsanctioned match um that was on the double or nothing card oh man it fucking stunk listen <laughs> i'm so angry 
Because, like, you, man, you, you two know I love Adam Cole, with it? Yeah. But he, he's not, like... The thing is, I think in general, this isn't even an Adam Cole criticism. In general, if you're going to do these unsanctioned matches or whatever, they have to be, like, spot fests, you know? Like, I, that match was weird. The pacing was off. It was a bit... And I just thought, like, Adam Cole wasn't really good at the plunder kind of match anyway. He's only, the only good one I've seen him in was the one against Alistair Black on NXT. Um, yeah. So I think the booking was all wrong because, like, it didn't... It could have just been, like, a last man standing match or a uh, no, no holds barred match. Like, you know when you say unsanctioned? Like, I'm trying to see... You get me? Like, mm. some... When Justin Roberts is talking about some, your AEW won't be responsible for any, you get me? Like, I'm trying to see some... I'm trying to see some violence, but I'm trying to see some, you get me? And I just didn't feel like it was violent enough. I don't feel like, I don't know. I feel like we sometimes we get away from the fact that a blood feud can thrive in a normal, in a normal singles match. Sometimes I feel like, I don't know if it's a, it's bookers in general just feel, oh, it's a blood feud. Is it's personal? It has to be like a, a hardcore match or whatever. Blood feuds can thrive in a singles match. And I think Adam Cole's style and Chris Jericho at this point in his career would have, would have, if you just give them like, you know, 15, 20 minutes to work in a singles match, it would have been fine. And I said this in the Discord. I feel like they, there was something in the Daniel Garcia thing. I feel like they could have taken this in a different direction and made it more about maybe Adam Cole trying to free Daniel Garcia from the JAS and maybe just giving Adam Cole and Daniel Garcia like 20 minutes to work. Or even still, maybe you do a 20 minute match or whatever. Adam, if Adam Cole wins, Daniel Garcia leaves the JAS. Like, I feel like they could have booked it different, you know? I just, I don't know, man. I, just I need Adam Cole free from the Jericho purgatory. I'll be real, I'll be real with you. Like, I'm not, I'm, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. I, I was trying to defend it in the Discord, but because Adam Cole's my guy, but it was an, it might have been like, it might, it's the match I enjoyed the least. And that's saying a lot. Like, yeah. I didn't like it, man. I really didn't like it. To make it, to make a, to make a, a long story short, I didn't like it, bro. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I think the a match lot of was people, bad. The booking is bad. Yeah, a lot of people felt the same way. You're not alone in that. Um, NK done a, a fantastic piece <laughs> that you're going to hear on the podcast in, in regards to, you know, how Chris Jericho feuds go. Um, anyone listening to the podcast tomorrow, listen out for it. Um, because you got it bang on, NK. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. You got it bang on in terms of how Chris Jericho feuds go. Um, we saw obviously the mixed tag match on Dynamite last night. NK, do you think this goes on past this now? Of course, this is the Jericho tradition. I'm not going to spoil what I said uh, on the podcast too much, but like, there's a cycle of Jericho, and if you know Jericho's pattern, it will go on. Like. We're going to get, like, maybe not to all in times, but post, post, like, this won't be the Blood and Guts feud, but, like, post Blood and Guts, we're still going to get this. We're going to get this for a while. Strap in. We're here for the long haul. Um, yeah, like, we're going to get this. Like, it's, it's just inevitable. And then it's the prob it's the, it's the thing where I feel like what AEW are doing is that like, they're stalling for Adam Cole in terms of, I feel like they have big plans for him. I see him as a future MJF opponent. And that one, it's like in every title ring, there's always those opponents where you think these are the guys that could potentially take the title off um, the champion. But, Oops. but I feel like with um, Adam Cole, they're just stored, they're like they're trying to give him like blood feud so to take him out of the title picture. But right now, this Chris Jericho thing started off well and it should have just been a one off match, in my opinion. 
because without um, Jericho feels that the Jericho Appreciation Society has to get involved and has to be a whole faction war thing. And I'm, we don't need that right now, especially when the premier program right now is a faction war. It's like mm. we don't need another one. So, yeah, unfortunately, this 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 will go on. Yeah. Well, like I said, I was I was invested in the story. I didn't mind the story at all. I think, you know, we, we got two very, really capable guys in Chris Jericho and Adam Cole having a great time in the ring, telling a great story. I was invested. The match just didn't pay off. The mixed tag match we got on Dynamite in the main event was very good, I felt, and, you know, probably should have been the, the main event. Sorry, should, probably should have been a double or nothing match, which would have got Britt and Soraya on the card as well. Um, but, yeah, we got an unsanctioned match, which, like Atlas was saying, it was very sanitary. There was no real violence. Um, it just wasn't sold as that. So, yeah, we will we'll go past this match to some better stuff that happened on the Double or Nothing card. Um, NK, I'll come back to you. We saw a new TBS champion crowned, um, Chris Statlander, um, after Jade had her defence against Taya Valkyrie, um, which we said, you know, it might be the better of the two evil options that we that we had. Um, Chris Statlander came in. She answered the call that Mark Sterling said no one else was left. Chris Statlander in, in quick succession, pretty much a squash match. Well, Jade obviously had just had a match. Um, put Jade to, to rest, 60-1. and one. Chris Statlander is now the TBS champion. Um, and obviously on Dynamite, we saw a very good match, in my opinion, between her and Nyla Rose as her first title defense. Um, what did you think of when Chris finally answered this call? We've almost been waiting for her to answer for, for a year now. And um, now we've had the first title defense as well. Um, the best scenario to a bad situation. But in terms of going into the pay-per-view, like I was very adamant that Ty Valkyrie shouldn't win. But I also understood that the TBS title was basically needed to come off Jade. The run had was beyond stale. And we knew they were stalling for Chris Statlander. What I liked about Chris debuting the way she did is that in because they could have had her like debut at the end of the pay-per-view and then maybe set up a feud for an upcoming dynamite or whatever. But then it would have took it would have taken like the um it would have been super predictable. Her coming out in the way she did and then kind of making a situation where Jade got overconfident protects Jade and um, sometimes I'm a nerd that when we overprotect wrestlers, but it protects Jade in a way where it's like, cool, she still fell on her sword, she was the defending champion, but then we've brought Chris Statlander in in a meaningful and impactful way. And then the match she had with Nyla Rose is exactly why I was a big advocate for Chris Statlander and probably why Tony wanted Chris as champion the, the whole time. With Jade, her main selling point is the fact that she looks like a, like a megastar. She carries herself like a megastar. And, you know, for someone who hasn't been wrestling for that long, she's developed pretty decently. But there's level. Chris Statlander is a professional. She's a she's a professional wrestler. She's a worker, um, and she's somebody who's not only got the look. She's like size wise, she's comparable to Jade, but she's got the in ring expertise, you know, that to go alongside um, her aesthetic. And I feel like Chris Statlander is going to take this title. Um, in a new in in a new direction where we're gonna get great matches, we're gonna get you know consistent title defenses. It's gonna be like very much with Jade. It was more so about okay the spectacle of Jade Cargill with Chris Stanlander. Now we're just gonna see you know this revert to like a mid card title where Chris Statlander is gonna be the workhorse of the division, which is ironic because 
you've got you had Jamie Hayter, who's like a workhorse champion as the main champion, and you've got Tony Storm, who's also a workhorse champion, but obviously they've got the outcast stuff going on there, so maybe it will limit the amount of defenses that Tony gets. So you have someone like Chris Statland to fill in that void of okay, we're gonna have great matches in the women's division, and it couldn't have come at a better time for bidding doors around the corner. Hopefully, you know, we see the TBS title in that picture and it frees up Jade to do something else. I don't know what else is next for her, but you know. I want to see Jade move on to bigger and better things. So, bro, that was, that was my question to Atlas. Where does Jade go from here? Like, obviously, we've we've seen Tony Storm just win the women's title. A lot of people are saying that you know she needs to make that main event movement, um, go and face some of those people. If not for the championship itself, but face us some of those women that in AEW are seen as you know the, the upper echelon um, of the division. Um, obviously they've got ties with Ring of Honor. Obviously they've got ties with New Japan and New Japan Strong. What do you think is next for Jade Cargill? Fingers of Jade. Um, the only thing is, so there's a few ways you could do this, right? Number one, I don't think you put her into the women's title picture, the main women's, um, the world title, because I feel like they're, I feel like, Tony's probably got some more bullshit he wants to do with his outcast stuff. So that's off that's off the board. You could do another match with Statlander, but there's no point because we know Statlander's going to win again. Um, mm. But maybe you kind of play off on that storyline where Jade's like, oh, I only lost because I just had a match, run it back. But then again, there's, you have that as an inevitability where you know Statlander's going to win. I think maybe you try to get her over in another... Maybe you send her over to Japan. Maybe you see if you can get her over as like a gaijin monster in Japan. Um, and I think going over to Japan and maybe working in Japan for a bit without look, NK said she has. I don't want to, I don't want to like be mean in it. Jade has improved a lot in the ring, she still has a ways to go. She's improved a lot, but maybe you send her to Japan to work a little, maybe send her to ring. I don't know. I feel like she is a bit too, bit too much of a star to go to Ring of Honor, and I'm only saying that because of the way Tony books Ring of Honor. Like, I'm not looking down the Ring of Honor at all, but the way Tony's, I think someone said it, he's basically using Ring of Honor as another AEW dark. So I think at this point in her career, Ring of Honor is kind of out of the, kind of out of the picture. I think either you bend this outcast thing and put her into the Women's World title picture, or you send her over to Japan and try to get her over as like a gaijin monster in Women's Division in Japan, because there are some interesting, some interesting like opponents for her over in Japan. I would have loved to have seen like, I don't know, like Jade and Jamie Hayter, just because they're two kind of like homegrown AEW young, marketable stars, and it could have been something there. Um, but like I say, we have to see how long Jamie's out for. We we'll see how, how how we go forward with Jade. But I'd say either put her in that title picture and then off this outcast thing, or send her over to New Japan and get her over as like a gaijin monster. Both good good options, to be honest. I think um, with Japan, the only thing I worry about, I know she's mentioned it before, is something she would like to do. Obviously, she's a mother to a very young child. So, I mean, she doesn't have to live in Japan. She just goes over there, does what she needs to do and comes home. But yeah, I just don't know yeah. how that would necessarily work um, with that with that dynamic. Um, but I think, yeah, one thing I think yeah, we could probably yeah. all agree on is she, she needs the matches. Um, obviously, New Japan Strong is there as like a little bridge between New Japan proper and, you know, America. So that could be an option. Um, yeah. I was just thinking as well with the outcast thing, I don't know how far Tony wants to go with the outcast and the originals because now she's free up the belt. She could slide in with the originals depending what 
Tony wants to do. Like maybe the originals are being outnumbered, and it's a thing of you know, wow. They, they all of a sudden we we don't see Jade for weeks, and now yeah. Jade comes back as the monster that comes in with them. Um, who knows? NK, what were you saying on that? Sorry. Yeah, so I was going to say, maybe, obviously, with the whole Japan thing, obviously, Willow, an AW talent, is obviously New Japan um, strong um, women's champion. And I don't want it to be a thing where, like, Jade comes in and beats Willow. I feel like if Willow's going to lose, that's a Mercedes thing or whatever. But I feel like putting her in that mix, maybe, you know, New Japan will do consistent shows in the US. Have have Jade appear on a New Japan Strong show and attack someone like the New Japan Strong Woman. I don't necessarily see her going to like, um, you know, wrestling for the IWGP Women's Championship in Japan. I don't necessarily see that. But New Japan Strong, especially with their women's division now, is an interesting spot. And I feel like you know, and it may be, and I feel like that's a way you can kind of like. Maybe even like have not her versus Mercedes, but her interact with Mercedes in a way that's like it doesn't blow off, it doesn't like spoil a potential feud in the future. But just having these two cross paths and they're both of them are stars and it increases the exposure of um Jade interacting with you know Mercedes, who's a, a legend at this point. So yeah, I think New Japan Strong is definitely an interesting avenue to take her down, but. Yeah, now in AW it's weird because the undefeated streak was our character for the longest point in time. Now, what do you do with that? Like, it's it's almost like I don't want to compare her to Wardlow, but it's almost like okay, after the whole MJF CM Punk feud started, finished, sorry, with like MJF and Wardlow, it's like where do we go from here? And obviously, we've seen the outcome with Wardlow hasn't been great. I don't want Jay to be another um, another person that started off well. And then after like her main title run or her main feud ended, it went to the gutter. Like that's not what I want for her. Mm. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to look at still. I think the best bet is possibly she does take a step away from AEW. Um, mm. you know, and not to say you just stop wrestling or go on a break or anything like that. Yeah, New Japan is there. Atlas rightly said Ring of Honor, she's probably, you know, past that at this stage. Um, New Japan is there, whether that's in the shape of strong or you know, real thing in Japan. Like, I feel that's where she has to kind of turn up now, and then like her coming back to AEW will almost keep the mystique because the mystique has been I won't say damaged, but damaged a bit because the, the title's not there anymore and the streak's not there. So, if we if she just turns up on TV every week now, it's like, is this really the Jade Cargill that we've been buying into for weeks, for mm-hmm. months, for years at that point? So, maybe, yeah, a little bit of time away before she returns and they have a, a solid plan rather than just sticking her out there and, um, you know, giving us stuff that is substandard. Um, Let's move on to the, the um, well, they said it was a double main event. We'll start with the four pillars, four-way match for the AEW world title. This was my match, actual wrestling match of the night. This was terrific. This showed that, you know, the young guys are worth investing in. Um, these particular four, um, you know, we saw shortcomings in the build to this because of the promos and stuff like that. But these guys, you know, turned it on when it, when it mattered. In those ring, they were, um, you know, excellent. Excellent for what they've done. Atlas, what did you think of this match? Um, if I was Dave Martz, I'd give it five stars. I fucking loved it. I loved it. I, I loved it. it. It was like, it was so many, there were so many like payoffs to so many different wrestling tropes. It was work great. There was storytelling. There was high spots. 
There was, you know what I mean? It was just, it was amazing. Like, I feel like triple threat matches, triple threat matches are perfect in terms of mock my matches. Four, fatal Fours can kind of get a bit cluttered sometimes. But it was just, it was, it was amazing. It was, it's one of the, I'm trying to think of a better Fatal Four match that I've seen like recently, like in the last 10 years or so. And I'm really struggling. Like, it was, I fucking loved it, man. I thought it was amazing. Like, MJF is just, and Sammy Guevara in it. You say what you want about Sammy Guevara, man. That boy can wrestle, man. Sammy Guevara, he can really fucking work, bro. And I like the finish as well, the headlock takeover. Um, and I like how like MJF kind of didn't cheat to win, but it was like a dastardly yet me. It was like a dastardly kind of. Obviously, we'll, we'll probably talk about the battle royal, but you know how like the finish for the battle royal kind of supplemented Orange Cassidy's character. I feel like this finish very, very much supplemented MJF's character. Start to finish it was amazing. Even the bit where you grabbed the mic and like Sammy said, yeah, like, it was just amazing, man. I loved it. I loved it. I ain't got a bad word to say about that much. Loved it. Yeah, they done a great job. NK, what's your thoughts on it? The match was sensational, man. Um, and and this is why I always and I like that uh throughout this feud, even though I've said that the build's been hit or miss, I've always admired like the risk AW's taken because yeah, you can say that these are established guys and those are a routine title defense for MJF, but it's like you've got Four young guys that, you know, you've put in this spot. And granted, they weren't the main event, but they're fighting for, like, the biggest prize in the company, innit? And just the the way that everyone felt at home in the match, everyone felt like they belonged. There wasn't a person in this match where I felt like their in-ring work was lacking or they didn't show up in the match. Like, we can talk about maybe some of these guys in terms of, like, their promo skills and in terms of, like, all the stuff that you need to build to a match. But once all four of these guys were wrestling, the match did absolutely delivered. I mean, just the callback spots, like, the whole... Um, my favourite spot was obviously, like, the... Every time they paid, um, they did their mentors finisher. So you had, um, like, you know, um, MJF hit the crossroads, um, Darby hit the scorpion, um, scorpion deathlock, um, Jungle Boy hit the kill streak, kill, kill switch, and then, um, Sabagavar hit the cold breakout. Like, it just shows that, like, these, these, these men are here to stay. Um, and obviously they've got some of them got a lot of developing to do, but like, in terms of like, them as actual wrestlers, which is what we come to see, they've they've got it in the bag, man. They've got it in the bag. Yeah, it was very good. Um, like I say, best match on the card. Um, very impressed from all of them. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see. We saw obviously Jungle Boy like get back with Hook on Dynamite, which I was thinking turn on Hook. <laughs> like turn on hook even if it's not going to happen in this particular episode of dynamite like because this is it's ultimately a backwards move without any change in character so i'm hoping that's who they might have in mind because obviously people love hook um hopefully that is what's going to come from this because otherwise i'm not trying to see hook and jungle boy as a tag team personally um but How would you see jungle boy as a heel though i just think we just need to make him a bit more um stoic um obviously talking isn't you know his strong suit right now just give him more of a mature look um you know reduce his his style in ring because obviously his in ring style is very enjoyable but just re reduce it make him a bit quote unquote boring if you like 
Um, just give him something to really sink his teeth into because you can't be kind of telling us he's evolving and like the, the jungle boy part is what kills me. Like you start calling him Jack Perry and all of this kind of stuff, but he, the, the music is still there. The outfit is still there. Like he hasn't grown in, in that sense. And, you know, his, his um, big dinosaur Luchasaurus that used to roll with him has even turned, you know, with his appearance at least. So if we want to take Jungle Boy to that next level, um, because if we're completely honest, out of all of these, the four pillars, just in terms of total packages, Jungle Boy is probably lost if you're to rank the four of them. He is. Um, so yeah, you, you, we just need to kind of, you know, kick on from the in-ring stuff. He's got it in, in spades. Like we know he'll be fine there. It's the character stuff, which I think just needs to evolve a bit. But yeah, um, well, the, from, from the four pillars, we'll go to obviously you know, these top guys that these guys are the ones that need to, you know, become better than at some point. We had uh, Anarchy in the arena match, the Elite versus BCC. Um, Anarchy, in it Like, absolute chaos. NK, what did you think of this match? Um, This was better than last year's. In my opinion, this was... This is exactly what I wanted it to be. It's just chaos. Like, Anarchy in the arena is... It's controlled chaos, but like I still get that feeling of like I don't know what's gonna happen next. Obviously, at like, the big talking point of the match, obviously like the dynamite super kick, which I adored. Um, but just even just like the craziness of the match, the fact that this year it wasn't just wild things, it was a live rendition of wild things, which added um a different element to the match. It was this, uh, like it's hard to put into words what this match was. It's, it was just an experience. And what I watched, what I loved about this match is like I can only get this at AEW. It felt like a unique selling point. It felt like you can get no disqualification matches. You can get like violent matches. But Anarchy in the Arena, for what Anarchy in the Arena is, you can only get this at AEW. And I love when companies have that unique selling point that distinguishes themselves from other wrestlings. Because at the end of the day, AEW is an alternative. It's a different... Every company should have their own USP, unique selling point. And I feel like Anarchy in the Arena is a perfect example of why AEW is AEW. It just... That is something that you won't get anywhere else. You can get death matches somewhere else. But they're not anarchy because anarchy in the arena is the mixture of like, yeah, you've got violent chaos, but at the same time, it's go- it's intentionally goofy at times, mm. and I feel like that blend between the two is works so well for what anarchy in the arena is. So yeah, I thought this match was just it was it was, it was an experience that like you I couldn't even grade this on a like on a match scale because it's just like. How do you rank this? That like, on based on what? Like it's just it's it's just you just have to go there and experience this. But yeah, this was this was excellent, excellent. Yeah, it's its own little mad thing. Um, Atlas, obviously, we saw the ending. Um, you know, uh, a certain someone that turned on Omega some weeks back, uh, um, reared his head again with Tekesta that you know when he revealed himself, and then obviously you've seen Dynamite. You saw the the level of heat that these men. Were were in the proper hell fire, <laughs> like that, that. You know, the reaction was crazy. Um, That's I, real I, hill heat. <laughs> I saw someone say on the timeline that they were there last night, and they're here. They're speaking to someone next to them, and they couldn't hear them because of the booze and stuff. Yeah, like I've seen videos. I've seen literally. I've seen videos where people have recorded from multiple angles. You can't hear Don Callis speak. 
Like yeah. you can't hear him. Like there's like I've watched bad footage where you cannot hear him speak. I'm, I don't even know. I, I don't think the audience heard anything he had to say. There was parts where I sitting at home didn't hear what he said. Like it was it was crazy. It was something different that you know we. Bro, we it it sounded like at one point he actually got frustrated. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I can't tell if he was if it was a work or not. He was like he turned to um, Giovanni and was like, "What am I supposed to do?" <laughs> mm. Like I'm, I'm glad that he actually opted to kind of speak over them rather than you know wait and all of that kind of stuff. Because him trying to speak over them only caused him to go more madder. Then he had to kind of take it to a next level and stuff like that. Um, Atlas, what did you think of this entire angle? Obviously, from the pay per view of Takeshita coming in and you know doing what he did, turning effectively, and then obviously the reaction at Dynamite? I think the Don Callis turn was coming. Um, I feel like they've been kind of showing it bit by bit. You've kind of seen the dissension a little bit and Callis being a bit bit booky with him. I wasn't expecting Takeshita though. That was like that was, I wasn't expecting that. Um, that was that was it was um, the only reason why I'm happy about the Takeshita is because now we're probably going to get Kenny Takeshita, mm. we're gonna get Hangman Takeshita. Based on the promo last night, we might even get Kazuchika Okada versus Konosuke. I'm buzzing thinking about it. You yeah. Get me? I'm I'm just I'm a dream match guy, and I'm like, listen, just I think I even said this when I when I came on the podcast before. Listen, just get two guys who are amazing and just figure something out, figure out a storyline, and just stick them in the ring together. In it, you get me? So for me, I'm always looking at things from a matchmaking perspective. So as soon as I've seen Takeshita do the heel turn, I'm thinking, okay, we might get Kenny Takeshita. Then obviously, obviously at the end, Kenny um, had the promo. And that's what I tweeted. Like, I was tweeting with NK and I was like, yo, Kenny's gone to, you get me, he's gone back to New Japan to go get the goons. He's <laughs> yeah, going to come yeah. back of Okada. He's going to come back of Kota Ibushi. You get me? Um, so I, I like it. And I feel like with Takeshita, he did kind of strike me as a bit of like a white meat baby face. But I think if you have Don Callis as his mouthpiece and kind of just have him there as like the kind of, um, for lack of a better term, like foreign hill, who only speaks in his language, is very stone-faced, and Callis can kind of be his mouthpiece. And then you just kind of let him have dream matches of baby faces, it'll work. And bro, that heat, that hill heat, that is real. That's that, you know what it is? That's that hill heat that they tell you about in like the, the territories back in the, in the, back in the, the South. Day. In the 1980s, <laughs> bro. That's that hill heat. Oh shit! Yeah. I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it, man. I love it. This is pro wrestling, bro. This is pro wrestling. This is what I'm here for, bro. That's yeah. that real hill heat, right? You get me? Loved it. That's that southern. That's that southern wrestling heat. Southern wrestling. That's that. That's that. That's that Jim Crockett promotions heat. Like y'all you know saying, like that. That segment there. Listen. <laughs> When, like, when Don Callis got booed and it just kept going, the mm. man couldn't speak. And then Takeshita was speaking in his language and speaking in Japanese. And I was like, yes, cuss these man. And, and the thing is, like, it was it was able to do like, the foreign heel without, like, it being racist. It was like, yeah, yeah like, I'm just, I'm comfortable speaking in my language. I'm going to do it. And I don't know if you might noticed, but... When Don Callis was saying he was better than every Japanese wrestler, right? And when he said Okada, the camera tilted to the Forbidden Door. They panned door to Forbidden Door. They, yeah, they yeah. Tilted it, and I was like, oh, that's excellent. And that's yeah, what a yeah. subtlety, subtle story. Like, it was, it was like, obviously, Don Callis saying Okada wasn't subtle, but like the Forbidden Door thing, where it's like, okay, it puts it in your mind that even if the match doesn't happen, it's like, okay, 
you've got people speculating and thinking, mm. do I want to see this? And now you've added weight to the match because of the story. I always feel like, like Atlas, like the matches are very important. The story is the vehicle to get to the matches. And the vehicle is driving. It's, 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 going, it's, it's going at 100 miles an hour. We're driving. Let's get to this. Let's get to these matches. Let's get to these great matches. Yeah. Um, this was very good um, from what happened at the pay-per-view to end the pay-per-view to, you know, this particular segment that we got on Dynamite last night. Um, they've set it up in such a way there's there's a multitude of avenues. There's a multitude of ways they can go from here, which is good and it keeps us guessing and keeps things interesting. And with Forbidden Door on the horizon, um, you know, we might get some type of um, spin-off from the feud we're getting at Forbidden Door. We know Blood and Guts follows that, and that's real gang warfares and maybe the blow-off of the BCC versus the Elite, and for sure there might be a couple men added to, to that situation, which will be kind of um, tantalising to see when it comes. So, yeah, we're, we're in a very good place with this with this story. Um, and it's going to be hard for the world title to, you know, take precedence with whatever's happening at Forbidden Door. I don't really see how the world title will, would, you know, um, take precedence over this this current story. For both companies. I can't lie, for both companies. Because MJF, like, trying to take precedence over the storyline is going to be hard. And then Sonada, because, you know, like, we know, like, yeah. both titles at Forbidden Door, well, at least based on last year, have made, uh, have, like, um, a, made an appearance. It's hard, especially if you, especially Dominion's coming up on Sunday. And remember, they um, in the promo, Muhammad um, said Kenny's like not in Canada. We think he's Japan. Kenny could make a appearance at Dominion because um, Blackpool Combat Club are facing Okada Tanahashi, and then he's if he's calling Okada anyway to come to new, um, to AEW. I can't lie. There's ways to make. There's ways to. There's ways to tell if they told this story across two promotions. I can't lie. This this is gonna. That's Ooh. exactly what they should be doing because this is what we said last year that they didn't do. They basically finished one pay per view four weeks till Forbidden Door and they just started slapping together matches without that story. Um, give give us that because you've already started telling BCC um, and Shota versus um, Okada yeah. and, and their man. So, like, all it takes is for, say, BCC to get the win at Dominion. And then we see Omega, like, it comes in afterwards, picks Okada off the mat, like, goes backstage of him. Just something as small and subtle as that, if they want to do that. Like, yeah. just little things to kind of help sew the story together um, is what we need at this point. I thought it was very... Um, telling hangman dropping that line in there like and before he stormed off and kenny's not in canada um i thought that was cool so yeah we're i think we're getting into a good place for forbidden door but like you said the world titles at this point are for both companies are pretty um irrelevant going into this um just to kind of cover what happened on dynamite um quickly um show open we had a blackpool combat club versus the lucha bros and bandido like the bandido spot where he held up my man in a suplex for 60 seconds. It's just, it's just ridiculous strength. And it looked like a point where, you know, he was fading with Utah and the crowd literally gave him that energy to continue. Um, what did, what did you think of this Atlas as an opening match? And obviously the Blackpool combat club again, continuing winning, winning ways. So, okay. So I had, 
my issue is, yeah, I don't know if it's an issue. So, for instance, I, I, before I answer the question, I'll give context before I answer. So, at Revolution, obviously, Hangman and Moxley had the death match. Mm. Moxley wrestled three days later on Dynamite. I said, okay, cool. Now we fast forward to Double or Nothing. They have the Anarchy in the arena. Three days later, these men wrestle again. And now I'm struggling with that's unrealistic to it services the character of the BCC being anytime, any place, anywhere, some bitches in it. And I hear that. But at the same time, it's like, if we really want to sell these matches as being brutal, career changing, like um, last resort, blow off to a, not blow up, but last resort, settle the beef kind of thing, then I don't know. I don't know. It was a good match. If you want me to review the match, it was a good match. I enjoyed the match. I like what they're doing with Willie Utah. Can I tell you something as well? You, you lot are going to think I'm saying it just because it's happened. But when Wheeler Utah got pinned on Dynamite last week, I knew he was going to get the pin on the weekend. I knew he was going to get the pin on the weekend because the way they kind of gave him a little bollocking in the ring and he's kind of mm. standing there with his hands behind his back, you get me, and they're giving him his, giving him his, you get me, giving him grief for getting pinned. I knew they were going to bring that full circle and he was going to get the pin and then he ended up getting the pin again on Dynamite. So I like what they're doing with Wheeler, kind of, you know, kind of taking him away from that kind of, run of the group scrappy do kind of character to someone who's actually credible. Do you know what I mean? Pin Kenny Omega, pin Bandido, because especially after he lost the title to Shibata as well, maybe it did kind of look like he was a bit lesser. Because listen, man, Daniel Bryan is one of the greatest of all time. Moxley is amazing. Claudio has been one of the best wrestlers in the world for 20 years. So it's like, Wheeler's always going to kind of stick out in a bad way. So I think it is good that they are trying to, trying to legitimize him a little bit more. Um, So I love the match. I love the services doing to the to the Blackpool Combat Club story. I just can't fully get my head around these men wrestling so soon after these brutal matches, innit? But that's just there's, nitpicking. There's definitely an element... I know I hear you. There's definitely an element of overexposure. And it's like they keep putting them in these trios matches. And I'm like... I feel if they're coming and doing this, then they should really be battering man every single time. And... I might be called blood hungry or whatever, but if they're having these trio matches, yeah, they, like they should be bossing people open in terms of blood and everything like that. Like, yeah. I feel like if it's just these men having a trios match, it's just overexposure. If especially if their goal isn't to build up wins to go for the trios title, they haven't said that's their yeah. goal. Otherwise, I'd understand it. But um, they're yeah. just kicking ass for kicking ass, sake, can I? Yeah, but then uh, that's what I mean. I, I would love it to be an extensive, like, we're proper battering people. Um, so it just goes to another level. Um, we, we've talked about, obviously, the, the segment with um, Hagman and the box backstage. Obviously, we saw the Dark Order kind of rear their heads. We ain't seen them for a minute, and they were kind of take having a go at Hangman as well. So we'll see where that develops into. We've talked about Tony Khan's and his announcement with CM Punk. Another segment that happened in between this was um Bullet Club Gold. Um coming out, kind of sticking it to Ricky Starks, calling out FTR, which they made reference to I've no, I think FTR came and helped um, Ricky Starks before from a from a beat down or something, right? Yeah, they did double or yeah. nothing. Yeah, 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 I don't know double enough. Yeah, NK, what's your thoughts on um, FTR tangling with um, Bullet Club Gold? I like it. I like it. Uh, first of all, boss, a Jay White promo. We can yes. rejoice a Jay yes. White promo. Finally, and this is why we wanted more promos. It was it, it was funny. It was more comedic than I was expecting, but I liked it. 
It was good and do you know what? Him him and Juice as an actor together. Um, do you know what it is? I was I was against him and Juice because I felt like Juice held him back. But if it's a thing of where it's like, cool, you've got Jay White as the front man, and then you've got Juice as like the loudmouth, you know, the person who respectfully in these foods can afford to eat a pin. Cool. But I can't lie. I'm happy. I hope they crib this Ricky Starks thing next week and Ricky Starks loses. And we get to FTR versus um versus Bullet Club Go. I wouldn't even mind if, if it's for the tag titles. I wouldn't even... If that's the next tag team championship feud, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Mm. I, want, I, I want good things for Jay White. And obviously... Good things for Jay White doesn't necessarily mean he has to win a title tomorrow. I just want him in meaningful feuds with top guys. Do you know what I'm saying? I want him in meaningful feuds with top guys. And I feel like play to Jay White's strength. Jay White is one of the best like characters in wrestling. And the, the boy can wrestle. He has like he's not his wrestling style is he he's best when you put him when you put him with somebody who's like, I don't know, an out and out, let's say a worker's worker like Roderick Strong. He's best when you put him against someone like that because he's he's a lot of his move is based on like um shifting momentum, counter counter wrestling, and all that type of stuff. But Jay White is an amazing wrestler in ring, anyways. But his character is 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 the most appealing part about him. And I feel like this segment was like a very it was a very small glimpse, but it was a glimpse into what we can expect from Jay White going forward. So yeah, man, I I totally like this. I like the whole Juice Robinson having the whole um um quarters in his hand when he punched FTR, and it made them look strong. I, I don't like the fact that this is a trope in wrestling that I don't like in general. But I don't like the fact that when heels run too much, like every week is is Ricky starts coming in, they run away. Like it's two against one, scrap him. But he, he had a chair, so yeah. I get it. But yeah, yeah. Um, Just following definitely... on from your point about Jay White. Sorry. Um, Go on. You see how you say one thing I love about Jay White, yeah, his wrestling style. Because I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm not as fa- I wasn't as familiar, especially with Jay White, because a lot of the New Japan I I've watched like over the years, it's just been a lot of Kenny or Manga Tanahashi, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but like I paid more attention to Jay White, especially when he started feeding Okada his lunch every time they fought, and especially um, since Wrestle Kingdom, I've been watching a lot of his old matches. What I love about Jay White is more so than a lot of top wrestlers. His wrestling style services his character so well. Mm-hmm. Like the way he wrestles, he's slimy, he cuts momentum. Do you know what I mean? He's a count, he's, he's like he's like he waits for his opportunities, he's a great counter. Like his his character and his wrestling style works so hand in hand. I love it. I love it so much. I love watching Jay White. He's amazing, man. I, I like what they're doing with him as well. I don't feel like I don't I don't buy into the sentiment that Jay White has to come into the company and straight away feud with Omega or feud with feud with Danielson or go to the title picture. Like, no, you can put him up against a guy who's like a solid mid-carder, like a Ricky Starks, and you can build him up, get him familiar with, with the with the, the US audience, and then you go from there. You know, Rome isn't built in a day, and not everyone can be in the title picture. Do you know what I mean? And I, he looks I, like he's having fun with this, so. I agree. I, I mean, my, my argument and my, my downside of what they've done with Jay White hasn't been that he hasn't been brought in into the title picture. It's more like Ricky had is just coming out of a feud with um mjf for the world title so you've somewhat elevated ricky jay white has come in you're telling us he's a former iwgp champion um never open weight champion this title that title he's done it all in new japan they didn't necessarily treat him like he was a big deal 
Like treat him like he's the big deal that he is when he comes in. Ricky, you've you've helped elevate because you put him in a, t- a world title picture. And it's too it's too easy between these two guys because they're both great talkers. They could have sold us a, a great match. Should have had a pay-per-view match out of what they were doing. I just don't feel they treated Jay White as a big deal. He didn't need to be a world champion contender immediately. It was just the treatment which I felt, you know, they fell short on there. But they're on the road to rectifying yeah. it, it seems. So um, next up, we'll kind of just glaze past this because this is kind of two two parted. And um, we had um, Big Bill versus Swerve versus Trent Barretta. This was a, a really good match. It was, it was a good fun match that these lot put on. Um, and we saw um, Swerve get the win here. Then this match later on down the line was followed by Gates of Agony versus Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy. Um, and Cassidy and Orange, Cassidy and Orange. Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen got the win here. And um, obviously then we saw, um, what's his face come out? Um, what's this guy that wrote? The, Prince the other Nana. one. Prince Nana and what's his face? Brian the Cage. Man. Brian Cage. I don't Brian know why he's, Yeah, he lost the game from my mind. Um, yeah, Brian Cage come out. Swerve comes out. Um, obviously the back gates of agony. We then later found out next week we're getting um, for the international title, Orange Cassidy up against Swerve. Um, I said on the podcast that when I was watching Double or Nothing, we had the final two of Swerve and Orange Cassidy. And for that, I thought Orange Cassidy was going to, you know, retain the title. That was my prediction going into it. That was the only moment I thought this would be a really good place to put the title on Swerve. Like, I feel like he has done some good work and especially in that last five minutes it was a really good interaction and Cassidy they said you know they've been telling the story he's hanging on for his dear life with this championship at this point now we've actually got the match which I think would be even better for Swerve if he, he pins the champion um NK what's your thoughts on on this match do you think it is time now that we move on from Orange Cassidy as champion yeah I think it's time and I feel like do you know what objectively like from like the Dublin, I think, pay per view to now, and even the match he had with Big Bill and Trent Barretta was actually a really good match. Like I was, I was, I was surprised at how good it was. Big up Big Bill, he did well in that match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still not one hundred percent sold, but he did well in that match. You gotta <laughs> give him his flowers. But um, so what they've done from um Dublin nothing to now to build up to Swerve is good. I just wish. Swerve was a more consistent fixture overall. I felt like, let's say from Revolution onwards, I don't know, you could have given Swerve a bit more wins because it feels like they've just moved on from the Keith Lee stuff, which I'm happy about. Just move on. So I'm, Can I interrupt I'm you happy quickly? about it. Let me interrupt you quickly yeah. before you continue. He is consistent on Rampage. And okay. that's the issue. I don't know, if, okay. you know how many people are watching that to know that he's consistent. So it's not a, a, you, a you problem. It's, it's just... You know, we pop up and see him on Dynamite. It's like, oh, yeah, where's Swerve been? But Yeah, first, first. But has the thing of Rampage been the Keith Lee stuff? Has he been, like, building up his wins just by himself? Him and Keith Lee just been butting heads and avoiding yeah. each other. And, yeah, it's been meaty. But, but I'm happy they've moved on from it because sometimes we don't need story to wrap up. Just move on. If it's not going anywhere, move on. But seeing Swerve with the title makes sense. But I don't know. Just the and this is just sometimes that's wrong with what's wrong with wrestling fans. Sometimes even me, the fantasy booking of Roosh is just too sweet in my head. I'm married to that idea. Like the idea of Roosh is just I'm married to it in my head. Love Roosh. Like, I want Roosh. <laughs> I want Roosh. Yeah. But 
at the same time, <laughs> based on what they've given us, Swerve makes perfect sense. Swerve, 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 you know, something like this will do Swerve a ton of good. And Swerve is somebody where not only can he continue the lineage of great matches, obviously he won't have the same type of matches on Cassidy because he's a heel, but Swerve is someone who's reliable, he's charismatic, and, you know, week to week, maybe not week, every other week, he could put on a great match. And he's a great character as well, so he can add a different dynamic to Orange Cassidy as well. So, yeah, Swerve makes perfect sense. So, yeah, I think it's time for Orange Cassidy to lose. Obviously, he can lose by shenanigans. Like, Brian Cage can get involved, you know, Bam, that Swerve doesn't have to win clean, but I think it's time. Because if it's not Swerve, then if Swerve doesn't win, then the campaign for Roosh is I'm flying the flag because at this point it's getting ridiculous. I think um, it does a lot for the the mogul affiliates or whatever they're called now with um, you know that group because they they're perennial losers. Like I was even I just I didn't want to be cynical, but I'm watching Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy lose to guys about four times their size, and I'm just thinking, oh, you man are in the mud. But you know, adding a title, then they'll all have a title. Because them man win on Ring of Honor. They, they always win on Ring of Honor in their trios matches. Obviously, they're champions. So, it's just on AEW TV, they, they're not booked well. Um, but, yeah, it could do well for, you know, that faction. Um, especially if, if it's time. Atlas, do you think it's time for Swerve to win it? I think it's time for him to win it. I think you need to... I think you don't need to put a title on Swerve. But I feel like if he has a bit of gold, then the way he carries himself... I think his character will be enhanced by having some gold around his waist because he has something he can kind of dangle in people's faces. Do you know what I mean? He has something he can kind of show off because right now he's just talking. He's just he's just talking, you know. If you put some gold on him, and also I don't I don't want to say Cassidy's run has gone stale because it definitely hasn't gone stale. But what I love about an open challenge, and I don't want to compare it to these two because obviously this is top of the top. But so I, I, I just John Cena's United States Open Challenge. It's what I love about an open challenge is that you see the challenge, the champion, sorry, get worn down bit by bit by bit by bit. But eventually, you have to pay that off. And I feel like it is time to pay that off for Cassidy because it's getting to the point now where it's like you said it the other day, right, with the Kamora thing. When you watch wrestling, you do have to suspend your disbelief. But I'm seeing Orange Cassidy get dropped on his head three times in a match and kick out, and he's selling how hurt he is. And it's like sooner or later, these injuries in cave these injuries have to catch up with him, and he has to get got eventually. And I feel like Swerve is is the guy who, who's kind of worthy of, you know, because like NK said, he can continue that lineage of great matches. You can put him in there with anyone. There's, there's so many great mid-carders you can, you can have great matches with, you know? Um, so I think it is time. I think it is time. And I think Swerve's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. It'll be very interesting. Um, we've discussed, obviously, the TBS title with um, Statlander and Nyla Rose, and that was a really good match to kind of, you know, take this TBS title into a new direction. We obviously talked about the main event with the mixed tag match as well, to some degree, um, with the Adam Cole and Chris Jericho story rumbling in the back. Um, so, yeah, Dynamite was really good. I thought really good out of the pay-per-view and really good to kind of set us on our way towards Forbidden Door as well. Um, I just got one last question before we wrap up the stream today. Um, big up, Kieran. Um, Kieran's come come and put here in the chat, NK, how good is it to have um, Shibata at ZSJ on Rampage this hmm. week? Just to talk about this Rampage card now, like, I, I made a point of saying I watch Rampage every week, but I'll be lying if I tell you I'm watching it. It's on in the background, and I'm usually doing something mm. else, and I might tune in for whatever the main event is, whatever the case is, right? 
this approach for Rampage for this particular week, we've got um, a match for the AAA world title happening. We've got a match for the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. The, the New Japan TV titles on the line. And the Ring of Honor Pure Championship is on the line. It's almost like maybe with Collision, obviously, on the horizon as well. They're maybe taking a new approach with how they're going to book Rampage. And it's almost like the home for maybe the other stuff that they do and other people they're involved with in the little AEW universe, if you like. I mean, everyone's talking about this Rampage card. I haven't seen any spoilers. I tend to stay away from spoilers. Obviously, it's already happened at this point. It airs on Friday. But um, what do you guys think about this this approach? Should it, should it be this, like almost like a, a little indie, glorified indie super show, if you like, every week, rather than forcing us to watch AEW seconds? Absolutely. And if you go back, and I'm, if you go back, I think the first Rampage, the main event was Kenya Omega versus Christian for the mm-hmm. impact title. Correct. And it was like, of course now Kenny Omega and Christian were having a on were having a dynamite feud. But what made that main event feel important was, was because obviously Kenny Omega was doing the belt collector thing, but because was because of the impact championship. And now AEW, we always say like AEW has too many titles, has too many titles where it's like even you have guys from other promotions, they can't really fit into dynamite because there's so much stuff going on on Dynamite, and then now you've got Collision, which is, again, probably going to be another, like, mainstay show where you're going to have a lot of storyline progressions with cats like CM Punk and so on and forth. So with Rampage, this is the perfect way to utilise people like Vikingo. You've got a working relationship with AAA. Utilise that. Perfect use of Willow, because we were, we once Willow um, won the strong championship, we were always concerned that, okay, what are we going to do? Because we've got the women's championship, we've got TBS. That like, where's Willow gonna fit in mm. on a show like Rampage? And before it used to be Rampage was a throwaway, but now you put Willow amongst Zack Sabre Jr., amongst Shabata, amongst Vikingo, amongst people. You basically made um Rampage a super indie at this point. Yeah. If you put her amongst those people, we have a reason to tune in. And what I love about this is that it gives me something different to watch than Dynamite. I'm not going to see... If, I don't expect to see Vikingo on Dynamite defending weekly. I don't expect to see Zack Sabre Jr. I don't expect to see Shibata. But now, I'm not saying this news every week, but now with Rampage, I'm like, there's a unique selling point this week. I get to see championships. Major- all, I think every championship being defended isn't an AEW title. So, yeah. again, it's just a new thing for me to tune into. And then the quality of wrestling is going to be ridiculous. I, I can't. This is the first time in months. And when I say months, months, that I'm going to say I am very excited for Rampage. Very excited for Rampage. I definitely think this is the direction they should go in. Because now you've literally got Collision. Like, And if it's not going to be a B show, hopefully not, you know, it's its own entity. Um, It's going to have its own importance and stuff. Then, yeah, what is Rampage sort of thing? So maybe, yeah, making it like AEW and Friends kind of show. And we're getting, um, you know, maybe not championship matches every week. But, you know, you could be having, you know, those kind of high level matches or just like dream, dream level matches, matches you always kind of wanted to see between people that are available, come down and have. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a good it's a good thought. If, if that's what they've thought, or it maybe it's a happy coincidence, who knows? Atlas, do you do you watch um, Rampage? 
here and there. Um, I don't tune into Rampage as much. I'll be honest. Like what I'll do is if it's like a if it's like a Thursday night or or like a Friday morning or whatever, I'll go on like AEW's Instagram and see what the card's saying. Um, because I don't feel like. Yeah, yeah, I'm just not as interested in Rampage, to be honest with Yeah, you. I hear it. Whenever I do watch Rampage, it's like you. I'll, I'll stick it on. I'll stick it on in the background. Um, But I'm definitely going to watch this. Like, <laughs> NK knows how much I love Shibata. Like, I love Shibata. I'm a, I'm a fan of Zack Sabre Jr. as well. So I'm, I'm definitely going to tune in. And what MK is saying is 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 true, because if you stick someone like Willow on a, on a card with the likes of Shibata, the likes of Zack Sabre Jr., she's getting exposure by osmosis. Because people like me are going to tune in to see them, and then just buy a byproduct. I'm going to watch her match, so yeah, she might yeah. get a new fan. Not me, I like Willow, but people mm-hmm. like me now she might get a new fan or two. And that's, I think that's how you're supposed to do it. You kind of put these people who you want to give more exposure to in these cards with great wrestlers, and they just, yeah, you know I mean, yeah. they gain exposure just like that. So yeah, it's it's a lot of opportunity, even for the the AAA guys that will probably open the show. Like it's it's a lot of opportunity for for everyone. Like you know and. Four matches, eight to ten minutes each. Stick your adverts in there. The jobs are good, and like no one will complain. You know that that's the one hour of wrestling TV people were looking forward to when Rampage began. You know, with the kind of main events that NK you mentioned before and stuff like that. And Moxley was turning up quite a bit on Rampage those early days. Like, just give us bang, 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 bang. One hour done. Like, and it's, we're all saying it's a good show. So, yeah, hopefully yeah. they kind of return to some type of model like that. Yeah, before we wrap up, I just want to say as well, I must give like AW credit for this. The amount of um spotlight they've put on Luchadors as of recent memory, they've been a lot like just Lucha Bros, Vikingo, Commander, um, Dralista Cole, just Mexican wrestlers in general. If you think about Andrade and Rouge, like this is this is kind of what I want to see. And I, and I love the fact that these guys get to wrestle like as close to like their Lucha Libre style as possible. Of course, they've got to adapt to an American audience, but like it feels like authentic Luchador, not this gentrified nonsense that we've been getting sometimes, just authentic Luchadors being Luchadors. So it's like, yeah, it's like big up, like the even an opening match, we had Lucha Bros and... Um, Bandido. Bandido. Like... Great, and then now on the sun, and and now on a Friday, we're getting the triple A, we're getting the triple A championship being defended, and you've got Commander and Dralistico versus Vikingo. So it's like, yeah, I just love the fact that I'm seeing Lucha talent being showcased, and you know, they're, they're being treated with respect. Like, I haven't seen no dumb spots where the mask has been trying to be ripped off. <laughs> no, they're just like they're they're luchadors, they wear masks. We respect the heritage. We continue. The only people that want to rip their masks off are Ray Phoenix and um, Penta. Pentagon. But that's that's them in it. But yeah, just I wanted to spot like that. Pen- Penta hates his mask, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to kind of take it away from AEW or anything like that. You're right in saying what you're saying, but. Um, for those that remember, this was a key ingredient in WCW and WCW's mm. success. They were the people that kind of put a big emphasis on cruiserweight wrestling, big emphasis, emphasis on luchadors um, and, you know, do what works. And they're doing what works and it's paying dividends. So, um, yeah, definitely. It's great to see that that variation. But that's why, like, screens. Ring of Honor... Sorry to cut you off, but that's why, like, Ring of Honor and Ring of Honor first came because, like, we all know Ring of Honor came about when WCW obviously got bought by WWE and it was a thing where there wasn't that alternative anymore, you know? And the reason why something like Ring of Honor was so popular was because it was refreshing. It was it was a new style of wrestling or a different style of wrestling 
to what we were being presenting in WWE because WWE does paint, you know, kind of paint wrestlers with, with a broad trope. Like you watch, mm. ring, like I wouldn't say Ring of Honor because it was years ago. You watch like New Japan AJ Styles. I watch AJ Styles in WWE. He's still amazing, but it's, it's different, different, you know? Yeah, it's different. It's different. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely that alternative. That's why I love so much about AEW is that you can see Lucha for a strong style. You can see kind of, you know, classic American against, I don't know, um, catch as catch can. Like you can see all the different styles of wrestling come together. It's not broad stroke, wrestle a certain way, match formula, you know what I mean? Yeah. We actually had a very interesting discussion on um, AEW's direction, if you like, on the podcast that will come out tomorrow. So, yeah, okay. um, have a listen and, and let us know what you think. But, yeah, we'll we'll draw a line in the sand here. I mean, it's been a good episode. We've covered Double or Nothing. We've covered, obviously, the big news of CM Punk um, officially being back. We've covered um, Dynamite. Um, Atlas, big up yourself for coming through, bro. We appreciate you joining us. Um, appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. Yeah, man, anytime. It's, it's been a good one. It's good to hear mm. other, other people's ideas and, you know, how they're kind of taking in the show as well. Um, guys, if you're watching live, we appreciate you. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Um, like we're saying, the new podcast, it's a, it's a new era, it's a new beginning as of tomorrow. So um, I hope you enjoy what you're about to kind of see and, and take in. Um, the, the evolution of rest things, if you like. <laughs> um, and yeah, we had a lot of good conversations in regards to, um, you know, double or nothing and, and what we saw from that pay-per-view. So make sure you tune in. But we'll be back same time next week, Revolution Radio. And we'll see you guys later. <laughs>